Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge. It is Thursday. I'm happy to be here. Just a reminder that you are listening to us on WQEE 99.1 FM, the key out of Newton. And we are brought to you by Ivy Park Sports Bar Grill, Christie's Cafe, the Man of the Mare Podcast, and Local Grounds Coffee Company. We've got a great show for you today. I've got Sports Vision's Thrift Behringer. We're going to talk a little bit about high school basketball, preview the conference championships coming up this weekend, and talk a little NBA. Just a reminder, though, that this is a podcast that is on Noonan's radio station, Southern Sports, Monday through Friday from 2 to 3, and right before Braves Country Baseball with Mac McGee and the Armchair Quarterbacks, and right after the one the only Rod Peterson I'm just so happy to be part of this special lineup. We have a great show for you. I'm going to talk about the local angle on what is going on in the world of sports when it comes to the Chattahoochee Valley. We had Columbus State Cougars and Lady Cougars last night taking on their rival Georgia Southwestern. And the Columbus Lions official schedule for the 2023 season has been released. Let's get right into the show. Last night in the NBA, you had the Atlanta Hawks defeat the Oklahoma City Thunder 137-132. to This was a big road game. Hawks are 25-24 and on the season. Trey Young with 33 points and 11 assists. I was listening to the game on the radio last night, and Steve Holman, the play-by-play announcer for the Atlanta Hawks, he's going to be on the show tomorrow. I am super excited. I reached out to him. And asked him if he wanted to be on the show and talk a little bit about the Atlanta Hawks and how he got his start. And he agreed to it. And, uh, hey, anytime I can get somebody on that is a well-known sports figure, that is a big get. But I'm just fortunate to have him on the show. I'm going to have Thrift on the show shortly. I am excited about that as well. Let's go ahead and run down some of the NBA scores from last night. Hey, the return of Anthony Davis and the Los Angeles Lakers beat the San Antonio Spurs 21 points in his return. And looking at the standings, the Lakers are 23 and 26. If you look at where they stand, you know, losing to the Clippers didn't really help them a lot. They're one game out of the playing game. They got Oklahoma City and Portland a half game out of the playing game. Utah that had that hot start, they're right now in 10th place. Right now the team that's in 9th place is the Golden State Warriors after getting a huge win over the Memphis Grizzlies. I don't know what's going on with the Memphis Grizzlies. They are one of my favorites to make it to the Western Conference Finals and represent the West in the NBA Finals. But they have lost four straight. It's a tough road trip for Memphis. But I actually think they have the most depth on their team. I think the Warriors have the most championship pedigree. When they get everybody back, I think the Warriors could turn on the switch and make a deep run in the playoffs. But if you look at all the teams in the West, the Denver Nuggets, they lose to the Milwaukee Bucks. I mean, this is a battle-tested game to see if the Denver Nuggets can be one of those teams that can win the Western Conference and play in the NBA Finals. Milwaukee beats them 107-109. to You had... The Ben Simmons-James Harden Classic 
the Brooklyn Nets taking on the Philadelphia 76ers. The Sixers getting a big 137-133 win over the Brooklyn Nets, and that is going to be important for playoff seeding because right now in the Eastern Conference, the Philadelphia 76ers are in second place, and that could be huge for positions when it comes to where the teams are going to stack up. But the Boston Celtics still a three-game lead in the Eastern Conference, and I think that the Boston Celtics are the best team right now in the NBA. The Toronto Raptors, they're trying to get into that playing game. They beat the Sacramento Kings 113-95, to and they are just a game out. So the Washington Wizards are a half game out. Chicago is holding that 10th spot. Indiana right there at number 9, and Atlanta at number 8. So if the regular season ended today, they would play the Knicks in the play-in game for the right to the number seven seed. That would be great because they would avoid the Celtics. If you are the ninth or the tenth seed, you have no choice but to play your way into the eighth seed. So the Atlanta Hawks don't want to get the number nine or number ten seed. They would like to move all the way up to the number six seed. That's where the Miami Heat is at. And then Cleveland, I mean, how long is it going to be for Cleveland to keep this up? I look at all the teams in the Eastern Conference. If the Atlanta Hawks are healthy, and if John Collins starts playing like an all-star, like I think he is, I think the Atlanta Hawks could stack up with just about any team in the Eastern Conference and make it a series. Now, at this time, I don't think that home court could be an option for the Atlanta Hawks, especially how far back they are. And we're not even to NBA All-Star Weekend. So we know that there's still a lot of season left, but the Atlanta Hawks have got to win these games, these games that they should win. But that was a big victory on the road against the Oklahoma City Thunder. Now they turn their sights to the Los Angeles Clippers, a team that they have beaten on the road. They play them at State Farm Arena this Saturday. And then they have to travel back on the road on Monday to take on the Portland Trailblazers. Winnable games for the Atlanta Hawks. I just want to see more chemistry, more continuity with this team And DeJounte Murray has really got to step his game up because he was brought over as a superstar to complement Trey Young. And some nights when Trey Young is off, DeJounte Murray has just got to elevate his game. And he is a two-way all-star player that came over from the San Antonio Spurs. I like DeAndre Hunter. I think that DeAndre Hunter, when healthy, is a great two-way player. And I love to see the development of A.J. Griffin as a rookie. He likes to shoot the three. And Bogan Boganovich, coming back from that injury, he provides depth off the bench. And if they need a defensive stopper, I think Nyeka Kongru is one of those defensive stoppers get, that could get in the paint and try to stop a Joel Embiid or Jason Tatum, You know, somebody that he could put on a player to try to get a defensive stop. Anyway, I'm getting a little ahead of myself. I actually am really excited about talking about Hawks basketball with Steve Holman on the show tomorrow. So you don't want to miss it. And we also have high school basketball that when as soon as Thrift Behringer comes on the show, we're going to talk a little bit about high school basketball and what the Valley Rams have done over in East Alabama. 23-0, a perfect season. College basketball as the Georgia Bulldogs, they fall to the Tennessee Volunteers 70-41. to And Alabama gets a huge victory over Mississippi State, 66-63. to So when I have my bracketology show on Tuesday, I think that Alabama could still be a number one seed. 
They take on Oklahoma in the Big 12 SEC Challenge this weekend, and then they take on Vanderbilt on Tuesday. But it is going to get tough. I'm looking at the schedule in the month of February. At LSU, they take on Florida. Then there's a two-game stretch where they have to go to Neville Arena to take on Auburn and then go up to Knoxville to take on Tennessee. I still think if Alabama just continues to win, they'll get a number one seed. But I think they got to win the SEC tournament to get a number one seed. Otherwise, they're probably going to be a number two seed. And the Auburn Tigers, huge upset loss to the Texas A&M Aggies at Neville Arena, 79-63. to as Tyrese Radford had 30 points for the Aggies. And Auburn, they're only their fourth loss of the season. They're taking on West Virginia in that Big 12 SEC Challenge game this Saturday. And West Virginia is one of those bubble teams that's trying to get in. According to Joe Lenardi at ESPN, they are one of the first four in. So you don't want to miss my Bracketology show on Tuesday. I've enrolled in Bracketology 101 every week just to get you updated with everything March Madness. The Columbus State Cougars, they get a dominating road victory over Georgia Southwestern 74-55 last night. Columbus State is 10-9 overall, 3-6 in the Peach Belt. And it was just a great effort by the Columbus State Cougars, and they look to continue their hot road record this Saturday as they will travel to Milledgeville to take on the Bobcats of Georgia College. The Columbus State Lady Cougars, they had a tough road matchup against Georgia Southwestern, falling 85-80. to They were led by Amber Abuzbe with 28 points. Alana Rawls also chipped in with 23 points. You know, this is a very young team that Coach Hauser has, but they are a very good team, and they were taking on one of the top teams in the Peach Belt. Georgia Southwestern came into this contest 15-2, and so they pushed their record to 16-2 and overall, 8-1 and in the Peach Belt. The Lady Cougars fall to 10-7 and overall and 4-5 and in the Peach Belt, and they will travel to Milledgeville as well to take on the Bobcats of Georgia College. And you can listen to both the Lady Cougars and Cougars basketball games on 88.5 WCUG. And Scott Miller does an amazing job with the broadcast. And I just enjoy listening to Scott Miller call those games. And I also think that when we get ready to wrap up this season, you know, the Peach Belt Conference has always been a very tough conference. And I just think that we look at Columbus State, and the expectations are that they're going to compete in the Peach Belt Conference. You know, both teams making it into the NCAA tournament last year. And I know that that is the goal for both Coach Robert Moore and Coach Matt Hauser for the Cougars and Lady Cougars. So good luck to the rest of the season. Hey, if you are a Columbus Lions fan and you were wondering what is going to happen to the Columbus Lions this year, especially since they are no longer in the National Arena League, Well, they actually have a new league, and they are in the American Alliance Football Association, and the new schedule is out for your Columbus Lions. They will take on the South Florida Thunder on May the 12th at the Columbus Civic Center. 
It is a nine-game schedule. I'm looking at the schedule right now. Seven home games and only two away games. Now, this is really a trial run for them to maybe get their team back to the National Arena League. I mean, that's really where they want to be. That's where all the teams are. I've had Zach Kyleman on the show, and he is a host of a podcast called Inside the Walls, which is dedicated to the National Arena League. And I know that we want to see the Columbus Lions in the National Arena League as much as I do. I love the Columbus Lions, and I love the competitiveness that they've had with the Albany Empire, with the Jacksonville Sharks. I mean, they have rivals in the National Arena League. But this move, going to the AIFA, could help them in the long run to get back to the National Arena League. And the good thing is the Lions season's not going anywhere. We're going to see Columbus Lions, and maybe they can compete in the AIFA. I actually think they'll do very well. I'm just worried about the schedule, why they have seven home games and only two road games. The NFC and AFC Championship games this Sunday. I cannot wait. You got the San Francisco 49ers back in the NFC Championship game three out of the last four years Six out of the last 12 years taking on the Philadelphia Eagles. The Eagles are a a two-and-a-half-point favorite, and the 49ers should be the underdogs, but this is a very even matchup between the Eagles and the 49ers. All the talk is that Brock Purdy cannot handle this Eagles defense. He's never seen anything like this, that the Dallas Cowboys were the best defense that he has faced, and he actually weathered the storm. He didn't have a great game. But he did just enough. He had some third and long situations where he was able to convert. He did not turn the ball over. There was no strip sacks for fumbles. You know, he had pretty much a clean pocket. I know it was a little rough in the beginning of the game taking those sacks. But the Dallas Cowboys was a big test for Brock Purdy. And I think that he'll be ready to take on the Philadelphia Eagles. He's heard it all his life. The people criticizing him in social media They're just going to continue coming at him, and I think that that's going to give him more fuel to the fire to try to have a great game. He's going to have to have a great game for the 49ers to win and advance to the Super Bowl. Now, Christian McCaffrey and Elijah Mitchell are a little bit banged up. I know that Charles Amenahu had his legal issues, but he is going to play. I think that the key is there are two areas where the 49ers are much better than the Eagles, at linebacker and at tight end. They need to utilize George Kittle. He has got to have a game where he is a mismatch for the Eagles and he receives for over 150 yards and has two touchdowns. I know that Brock Purdy did not have a touchdown pass against the Cowboys, but Brock Purdy is going to have to have some touchdown passes. I think the 49ers defense can keep Jalen Hurts in the pocket. Jalen Hurts is going to have to throw the football to win this game. I think he can. I like the wide receiver matchups with A.J. Brown and Devonta Smith going up against the Niners' corners, Chavarius Ward and Diamondaire Lenore. I think that's a big matchup that the Eagles can expose. And the Eagles have two amazing offensive linemen, Jason Kelsey and Lane Johnson. But I think that Nick Bosa has yet to have a sack in the playoffs. I think he's overdue. And I think that Nick Bosa can penetrate that left side of the offensive line to make Jalen Hurts flush out of the pocket. I don't think Jalen Hurts is going to get sacked too much, maybe one or two sacks in this game, but it's going to be a very close game back and forth. I really don't know what way it's going to go, whether it's going to be a high-scoring game or a low-scoring game, but it's going to be a close game, and it should be a lot of fun, and I cannot wait 
for this game. Will I be disappointed if the 49ers lose? A little bit. I mean, I want to see them win the Super Bowl, but you're talking about Brock Purdy, a rookie quarterback, the last pick in the seventh round of the NFL draft, trying to do the impossible. No rookie quarterback has ever reached the Super Bowl. Could this be a first? I know Eagles fans are very confident they've had the best record all season in the NFC, but I was looking up and down their schedule. They haven't really played anybody. I'll be honest with you. I know they were in a tough NFC East division, but they were in a division with the mediocre Giants and the mediocre Commanders, and we saw the Cowboys got a little bit exposed against the 49ers. I'm not sure how good the Eagles are. But they could make it to the Super Bowl because they did everything right. They won all their games that they were supposed to, and they get the number one seed, and they get to host a home playoff game. Sometimes that's all that matters is that you host a home playoff game, and then the rest is history. So that's going to be a great matchup. The AFC Championship game, you got the rematch from last year, the Cincinnati Bengals taking on the Kansas City Chiefs. Still don't know about the health of Patrick Mahomes, but Joe Burrow might just be better than Patrick Mahomes. And I think that he can outduel Kansas City. One thing that I did want to mention about that 49ers Cowboys game 45 million people watched it. It was the second most watched divisional round playoff game in NFL history. That's just something to think about. And I hope that they meet in the playoffs every year. NFL tidbits going on. The New England Patriots welcome back Bill O'Brien as their offensive coordinator, which means Alabama is going to look for an offensive coordinator. Which way do they go? Man, there's so many choices out there. I thought maybe Greg Roman would be the logical candidate. What if about getting Dan Mullen in there to be the offensive coordinator. Or how about this? How about Adam Gase? Yeah, Adam Gase actually works well with quarterbacks. Uh, John Gruden, I know that that's wishful thinking if you're an Alabama fan. But you know that Alabama is going to look a lot different next year, especially losing Bryce Young and Will Anderson to the NFL. And before I get thrift here on the show, just want to talk about the Hall of Fame selection of Scott Rowland to the National Baseball Writers Association. Scott Rowland makes it to the Hall of Fame, the longtime St. Louis Cardinals third baseman. Only one player voted in by the baseball writers to the 2023 Baseball Hall of Fame. I know Fred McGriff uh, got into the Hall of Fame last year, but still no Barry Bonds, no Roger Clemens, no Alex Rodriguez. Uh, Two players that... I feel are Hall of Famers that did not get in. Andrew Jones, the center fielder for the Braves, they probably one of the best gold glove center fielders of all time. And then Billy Wagner, who has had ridiculous closing numbers, not in the Hall of Fame. And I think that hopefully they can get in soon. All right, I think it's about time to bring on Sports Visions, Thrift Behringer. You don't want to go anywhere. We'll be right back with Thrift here on the show. Welcome back to the show, and on the show, I've got Sports Vision's Thrift Behringer. He is also the play-by-play announcer for the St. Ampicelli Viking and Lady Vikings. Thrift, welcome back to the Sports Beat. Hi, man. I'm super excited. Thank you, Richard, as always, for having me on. And I felt we we got a good, you know, relationship, especially what we did with the Border Wars and the Muscogee County Christmas Tournament. Um, we still got a lot of things coming up here in the near future, and I know 
and this I didn't even told you this yet, so I'm going to surprise it on you now. But I think baseball uh, for me and you is in our near bright future, especially as I continue to build momentum with the live streams on my personal page. Wanted to go into baseball, but you have to have somebody in the booth with you on baseball because there's not as much action. It's more back and forth storytelling. So looking forward to it. We'll talk about this off air more, Richard, but I'm excited about what the future holds, especially for both of us. Absolutely. And I did get a chance to watch the broadcast last night. You did a great job calling the Pacelli Brookstone game. It was at Brookstone. So it was one of those situations where Viking TV wasn't there because it wasn't a home game for Pacelli. But you right. chose to do it on your Facebook page and you did a great job. And Thrift, you did it. You have called every single private and public school in Columbus. Congratulations. Thank you, man. I didn't even think about that, Richard. So I appreciate you dropping that little nugget on me right there. Now put it into perspective. Uh, you're right. We have, uh, you, you haven't gotten to do that, um, but you've got to do every other school except for Brookstone. Um, it was a really good game. The atmosphere was electric, very intense. What you expect from a rivalry, especially in a smaller gym like it is at Brookstone. But I appreciate your support. I appreciate everyone else's support. And uh, yeah, I'm ready to talk some high school basketball. We got a lot of great topics we're going to be getting into and it's a great time to be a sports fan right now. I have a little segment on my show on Fridays where I actually rank my top 10 high schools in East Alabama, my top 10 high schools in West Georgia. And I'm going to try to include the girls, too. We can't forget about the girls. They do a no. phenomenal job as well. Um, in Alabama, would you agree the best team in Alabama right now is Valley? They are 23-0, and uh, and they are just looking amazing. I'm trying to get head coach Marshawn Harper on the show just to talk about this incredible run that the Valley Rams are going through right now. I think that Valley is an excellent team, Richard. I think that it's incredible that they are undefeated to start the season. I know that Rex Castillo literally was just with him the other day watching some NFL football, and he just did Valley as the WRBL um, High School Athlete of the Week. So I thought that was pretty cool, um, considering the fact that they have not been a, a program that's won a lot in basketball, but they have come um, and, and – the, the coach you're talking about, he's laid a great foundation, and they are definitely in contention for a state title. I would put them up there with the Auburns and the Centrals if we're going to add everyone in the in the uh, around the area um, in the community around this community, the Tri City area. I would put them up there as well. Those are two elite teams, They're also bigger schools. But if we're going off just resume alone, it's hard to argue with Valley being number one. And, of course, in my rankings, Lee Scott Academy, guess what? Their only loss on the season was that loss to Pacelli in the Border Wars. Yeah, and we got to do that game, Richard. And um, I'm going to be honest with you. I've looked, seen Lee Scott uh, play against Glenwood the other day. i uh, seen Lee Scott play against a lot of teams, and they usually make those teams turn the ball over a lot. They are a transition team. They like to score. They were none of that against Pacelli, and that has to be all the credit to towards Corey Black and his staff and Pacelli had an excellent game. They held them to under 50 points. Lee Scott has not been held under, under 60 the entire year this year, um, except for Brookstone. They, they won that game by two, 54-52. But those are the only two games they've been held under 60. Um, and Pacelli did an excellent job. But this Lee Scott team, they are by far the favorite to win a state championship. Glenwood's coming on strong lately. They beat Macon East the other day. They play Saturday against Abbeville Christian. Uh, remember, we did that game um, against – uh, yeah, against uh, uh, Calvary at the Border Wars. We did do that game. Um, so that's going to be a good one. But you're right, Lee Scott, they are unbelievable. 
They are really, t- really talented team, and I expect them to be in the AISA state championship game, and I probably expect Glenwood to be playing them. I agree, and uh, let's go over to Georgia because I'm actually including the GIAA teams along with the GHSA teams, and right now, uh, when I do my top 10 for West Georgia, it's hard to rank these teams. I've got Northside number one, Spencer number two, St. Apicelli number three, and right behind them, LaGrange is number four, and Chatco is number five. I mean, it's really hard to not have those top five teams. I mean, would you agree with those teams? In the I, I would five? agree. I would agree. I think Pacelli, it's hard for me not to have them number one. I see how talented they are. I know Spencer is equally as talented, and they're a lot bigger. The one thing that hurt uh, Pacelli against Sandy Creek, that's the number one team in 3A in the GHSA, and Hiram out of Hiram, Georgia, the number three team in 5A in the GHSA, the reason they lost both those games, both of them have t- both those teams had guys above six seven, six eight. But Shelly's tallest guy is Kingston Salmon. He's about six five, really good player, but he's more of a stretch four. They don't really have a center or a big man. Um, Cam Ellis is having to play the four position in college. Me and him have talked about it. He's going to be more of a guard anyway. Um, but Spencer has a bunch of guys: McDaniel's six five, six six. Uh, they have a couple of big men: T.J. Cochran, six six. Another guy. Uh, can, can't think of his name off the top of my head. Uh, he's six seven, comes off the bench. He, he's a really good player. I think all these teams have had excellent years this year. I know Northside they were twelve and two or ten and two at one point. They went on a two game losing streak, um, but then they just beat Harris County and they beat Hardaway, so they're back to twelve and four. They're a really talented team. I would say between Spencer and Northside of Michelli and the Georgia side, I, I would say one A, one B, one C. It would be hard for me to rank them anywhere. And honestly. You say Spencer's number one, I could, I really wouldn't argue. You say Northside's number one or Pacelli. Either way, these are talented teams, and I expect all of them to make deep runs into the playoffs. The one thing I will say, though, Spencer's playing in a lower classification than they did last year, and they won a state championship. That's going to help them. On the flip side, though, Northside is playing teams in 5A, like I talked about in Hiram, Georgia, Northside Warner Robins, uh, a lot of the teams that are out of, up up in uh, Atlanta. These teams are big. They're physical. Northside doesn't have the size, as I talked about with Pacelli, but Pacelli plays in a smaller classification. When you're playing those big dogs, the five, six, eight, seven A's in Georgia, it's a whole different game. I tell you, Pacelli is having a special season, 14 and four on the season, and head coach Corey Black has got them poised. And I think that they could win the state title in the GIAA. I think that Pacelli has oh, been yeah. battle-tested with those teams you mentioned, Thrift, playing a Hiram, playing a uh, Sandy Creek. These incredible teams. And we saw them beat Hapeville Charter. I mean, so we know that St. Pacelli has been battle-tested. And uh, they should roll through the GIAA. But Brookstone, you know, the, they got the rematch coming up. Uh, I know you're going to be calling that game. I know you're yeah. excited. It's going to be at the land on Viking TV, and and we get to do it again. The I know they're not calling it the battle for the Brucelli jug, but we, we got to call it something for basketball. It is Brucelli-related. Right, and I, that's why I can't think of a name. I just put Brucelli basketball version like you talked about, Richard. Um, but this Brucelli team, man, I'm excited about what they have in their region right now um, between Heritage and Brookstone. Okay, Brucelli played Heritage a few weeks ago last year. Heritage and Pacelli and Brookstone were in the same region in the GHSA. So they all three made the same move and all three in the same region again. Pacelli beat Heritage twice last year in the region tournament. Heritage ended up winning. 
So this was a big revenge game for Pacelli when they played him a few weeks ago. The problem was Heritage didn't have their leading scorer. And Max uh, Dunna, who's averaging close to – not done in, but Dunna. He's averaging close to uh, 18, 19 points a game. Heritage then played Brookstone the next – like two days later and beat Brookstone at Brookstone by 30 points. So this Heritage team's really good. Pacelli's by far the top team, but Heritage Brookstone right there as, uh, you know, second place to see him competing for it. Um, but in the GIAA, I was looking at the standings, seeing who's really going to compete for them. Remember who Pacelli played in football? Stratford. That same Stratford team in basketball, 17-3 and three old in year. They beat Glenwood handily. They beat uh, Southland handily. They beat a lot of really good teams out of the GIAA. I expect it probably to be again. Stratford uh, Pacelli in the state championship. And also you have the privilege of calling the Lady Vikings. They play before the Vikings. And how are the Lady Vikings for Pacelli doing this year? They're actually having a really good year. If you look at Max Preps, and I know you're a Max Preps guy just like me, Richard. They, in the last four years, didn't even have 10 wins combined. They were that bad. Okay? They are a rebuilding program. And Bryant Thomas's first year, he has a team 11-3, and 4-1 and one in region play. By far the best the girls have played in a long, long time at Pacelli. So that's been fantastic. Sheree Williams, senior, been excellent. Kira Roper, another senior, she's been great. Um, they don't have their leading scorer, Ivana Thomas. She played the first four games of the season, averaged 17 and 10, and about five steals, came from Carver. She ended up turning on her ACL. So she's going to have surgery. She won't be back till next year. I hate that for her. But Pacelli's really good. Uh, on when they played against Brookstone, Brookstone has a girl by the name of Taylor Williams. She's averaging 27 points a game. I'm going to say that again, Richard. 27 points a game, about 26.8, but I like rounding up. She is unbelievable. She hurt her ankle three days ago and didn't play in the game against Pacelli. That had a big factor, especially with this Brookstone team who's got a bunch of great role players. They're 17-3 on the season. Coach Kim Ellison has done an excellent job. Kim Ellison, by the way, she played at San Diego State Division One and at Georgia Tech. So, And her sister is Kelly Ellison at Hardaway, who's also got a really talented team. So both these sisters are doing a really good job coaching. When you don't have your best player and you got a bunch of role players on your team, they're asked to do a lot more than what they had to do when Taylor was playing, and that's where they got in trouble and Pacelli ended up winning that game 43-32. But we're hoping Coach Kim Ellison, Brookstone, and I feel like everyone around, no matter if you're a Pacelli fan or not, you want everyone to be fully healthy. You, you want this girl from Columbus. You're going to do great things. So she's going to have an MRI on Thursday, and we're hoping that she'll be, be back uh, healthy. Uh, but back to Bocelli, they are definitely the number one team in the region right now, tied with Westfield, who they lost to last week. I uh, like this Bocelli team competing just like I do with the boys. And also I heard on Sports Vision that you're also going to go back to your alma mater and you're going to call oh, yeah. some Linwood games. And by the way, congratulations to Coach Dusty Purdue picking up his 500th victory. Such an amazing accomplishment. Yeah, amazing accomplishment. And, Richard, I hope that you maybe can join me on Saturday. I don't know what you've got planned, but it's senior day basically for them. They do play against Springwood, um, but Springwood's not as big a game as Abbeville will be. Um, looking forward to doing both those games. Coach Rude, 500th career win. He's got multiple state championships in football, I mean, in basketball for girls and boys. And uh, he was a big mentor, a big uh, part of my life, especially when I played high school basketball. So looking forward to being back there. The boys are 17-7. to They've been on a great winning streak. They just beat Macon East at home. Macon East, by the way, was ranked number three right behind Lee Scott. Right now, Glenwood's vying 
um, for second place. And if they can beat Lee Scott on the road, they'll be tied for first. That's a tall task, especially when you lost by 15 at home just last week or two weeks ago. Um, so looking forward to seeing how the season plays out for Glenwood. Actually, they play Lee Scott on Thursday. So that, that game will be already up in air by the time I do the Saturday game anyway. But looking forward to seeing how Glenwood plays out in the rest of their season. I expect them to make a deep run, especially on the girls' and boys' side. And I am looking forward to seeing you and DJ Jones on Sports Visions this Thursday afternoon from 4 to 6 on Flavor 92.1. But, Thrift, I'm going to switch gears, and uh, we got some conference championships coming up. Oh, yeah. This Sunday, starting with the San Francisco 49ers and the Philadelphia Eagles, and then you have the Cincinnati Bengals taking on the Kansas City Chiefs. The Bengals are slight favorite. You know, the lines moved basically Patrick Mahomes' ankle. The Eagles, they're holding solid to a two-and-a-half-point favorite. The line has not moved. They feel that the Philadelphia Eagles have been the best team all year in the NFC. I would have to agree they're playing at home. But I think that the experience with the 49ers reaching the NFC Championship three of the last four years and the coaching of Kyle Shanahan – is going to be a slight advantage to second-year head coach Nick Sirianni for Philadelphia. But Jalen Hurts playing out of his mind, having an MVP season, 14-1 and as a starter, it's really strength on strength. You have the number one defense for San Francisco going up against the number one offense for Philly, and Philly has the number two defense going up against a high-powered San Francisco offense. I give the Eagles a slight edge, but who do you have in this game? I know you're a big-time Niners guy. And uh, I like playing with house money through. I know. And I love Brock Purdy, but I'm going to be honest with you, man. I just have the feeling Kyle Shanahan has had a lot of skeletons in his closet talking about 28 to three blowing that lead. Uh, Talking about getting two years ago and having a 10 point lead 20 to 10 against the chiefs in the third quarter, fourth quarter comes around. You end up losing by 11 last year. I thought that you should have beat the Rams. And if you beat the Rams, I honestly think, you beat the Bengals in the Super Bowl as well. I think this is finally the year he overcomes that, makes it the Super Bowl, and wins it this year. I think Brock Purdy has been fantastic. I like the San Francisco team. I know Jalen Hurts played fantastic against the Giants. But the Giants are not the 49ers. And the 49ers pass rush, I think, is finally going to it's going to come up with Lane Johnson, who has been battling injury. You saw him limp around with the Goring, but it didn't matter against the Giants because they would have great play calling by Nick. Uh, Casario, who's the head coach of the Eagles. But I think this San Francisco defense is not even – Giants are not even in the same backfield, same planet, wherever you want to call it, as the 49ers. I think it's going to be a close game. I think 24-17, 23-16, around that area, San Francisco will win. Um, and I think Brock Purdy does enough, and I'm getting this eerie feeling. It reminds me a lot of old Tom Brady. That's what I was thinking, too. Uh, just something to think about, Thrift. The right tackle for the Eagles, Lane Johnson, has not given up a sack in two years. Unreal. Probably the greatest right tackle in the history of the game. And they also have probably the best center in the league, tra- uh, not Travis Kelsey, but his brother, Jason Kelsey. Yeah, I think Jason. the offensive line, I would give a slight edge to the Eagles, even though the 49ers have Trent Williams over on that other side. But, man, you talk about that Eagles pass rush. Hassan Reddick with 16 sacks. And, you know, Fletcher Cox only has seven sacks, but they have uh, Brandon Graham. You remember he got a big sack in the Super Bowl? You got some veterans on that Eagles team that played in the Super Bowl a couple years ago. I mean, I I really am nervous as a 49ers fan. Of course, I'm going to watch this game, but I think that 
I could see the Eagles winning, but I could also see the Niners because they're hot. 12 straight wins. Brock Purdy 7-0 as a starter. I think that he could continue keeping up the momentum, but a lot of people are writing Brock Purdy off, saying that he's not going to be able to get the job done in Philly in that hostile environment on the road in a playoff game because no rookie quarterback has ever reached the Super Bowl. Yeah, uh, when you have a guy by the name of Kyle Shanahan, and me and DJ were talking about this, every time I see him win and see him call games, all I can think is he could have been the Falcons coach. But we decided we like Dan Quinn more. Um, Shanahan has been absolutely fantastic. And it doesn't matter if it's um, – I can't think of the New York Jets coach um, that just got a job. What was his name? Robert Sala. Yeah, if it's him or the guy last year who ended up getting a head coaching job or now D'Amico Ryans as well. It doesn't matter. This defense is loaded. There's a, obviously a scheme that works over there that's continuing to each coach that comes through there. I like the 49ers in a close game. And I think Jalen's going to be put in situations with his injury that he's not used to. And with that team speed of the 49ers, he's got to run a lot harder than he did last week. He can't just gallop. I think that's where it's going to come into effect. And that's why I got the 49ers winner. All right. Great pick. I hope you're right, Thrift. All right, here we go, Thrift. All right, we're going to preview the AFC Championship. The Cincinnati Bengals taking on the Kansas City Chiefs at Arrowhead. The Bengals are slight favorite, and really it's only because of Patrick Mahomes' injury. This is a rematch from last year's AFC Championship where Cincinnati won in overtime, 27-24. The Chiefs jumped out to a 21-3 lead, and it could have been 28-3 before the half, but they had a little blunder. And Joe Burrow, as cool as ever, like he was last week in Buffalo, and he's got weapons, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, and Joe Mixon, an underrated running back. What the Chiefs have going for him is Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, and that offense. I know they don't have Tyreek Hill anymore, but they still have the best tight end in football, Travis Kelsey. But Patrick Mahomes has got to make plays with that high ankle sprain. I mean, he's going to play. He's going to be limited, and that's why I give the slight edge to the Cincinnati Bengals. I think that Joe Burrow can out-duel a Patrick Mahomes. I'm going to say Cincinnati's going to win 37-34. to 34. I think that's a great score, and it's not just because Mahomes is hurt. I think if he was healthy, I still think this Bengals team's a better team. They played absolutely phenomenal on the road, in the snow against the Bills, and not just beat them. Handily, thoroughly dominated them the entire game. Won 27-10. Probably would have been worse if it had been in decent weather conditions. I know it's going to be cold in Kansas City, but they went and did it last year. This team is just as high as San Fran, and it's about not always who may be the more talented team. It's about who's playing the best, and I think there's no doubt in my mind Cincinnati's playing the best right now. That's why I got a Cincinnati-San Francisco rematch of the 19, either 88 or 89 Super Bowl uh, when Boomer Sison was the quarterback. By the way, the Bengals were the favorite then. Um, over the San Francisco 49ers, they were 10. Cincinnati was 12 and four. San Francisco was 10 and six. And you had that magical last minute drive by Joe Montana. You remember that game that went 20 to 16? Absolutely. I do think Cincinnati's a better team. I have them winning. But here's the thing as sports fans, as guys of the NFL, I would be happy with Eagles Chiefs Super Bowl or Eagles Cincy. I'd be happy with Kansas City San Francisco or Cincy San Francisco. Either way, I don't care who wins either game. I'm going to be happy with it. But if you're asking me my opinion, I'm going Cincinnati and San Francisco. That is a great pick. And the Super Bowl 57 in Arizona will be on February the 12th. 
We got plenty of time, and I'm going to have plenty of guests in the next two weeks just talking up the Super Bowl. I mean, that's really what I like on this show is spending the next two weeks just talking about the Super Bowl, and it's going to be incredible. Hopefully, I can get you back on the show, and, we, and you can make Most a definitely. Super Bowl pick and talk about your favorite Super Bowl memories. But, you know, we have other sports going on, Thrift. I mean, you're a big basketball guy. We have the NBA, college basketball. And um, I have my bracketology show on Tuesdays. And uh, so let's start with college basketball because the first bracketology show uh, I had on Tuesday, and here are my number one seeds. Tell me if, if you agree. Now, I really I stole this from Joe Lenardi from ESPN, but right now the overall number one seed is Purdue. I've got Alabama, another uh, number one seed. I got uh, Tennessee as a number one seed. And I did have Kansas, but because Kansas lost to Baylor and TCU, Kansas is out. And then my other number one seed is Houston. Even though they lost, Houston is still a strong number one seed. Who are your number one seeds right now? I know we're about a month and a half away from Selection Sunday, but who do you have? Yeah, and you're right. And it it's so early to tell. We still have an, you know, like at least seven or eight games for each team in their conference. Then we have the conference tournament before we even get to the NCAA. But this is what I love about college basketball and what I've always loved about college basketball is these moments right here where we just get to have debates about who's the best team. And it gives value to the regular season because I know it has become a sport where only people, the only time people care about college basketball is in March, those three weeks of the NCAA tournament. Me and you are not those type of guys. And I think there's so much parity in college basketball right now I would say Purdue and Alabama are by far the two prohibited favorites to be number one seeds. I know Houston just lost. They're playing in a conference that's not very strong. I don't think they lose another game. I think they'll end up be 32-2 and two by the end after conference tournament, and they'll be a number one seed. That third, that fourth one, though, is up for grabs. Virginia is another good one. Yes. The, whoever wins the Pac-12 out of Arizona and UCLA would be another one that would be up there for it. Tennessee, they need to finish strong. And they need to have a couple more good wins finishing out the conference tournament. Winning against Texas at home this Saturday would be a big one, too, to boost their resume. If you're asking me right now, yeah, I'd probably let Tennessee be one of those favorites. But for long term, Kansas, Kansas State, Arizona, uh, UCLA, and Virginia, because I think they're going to have another conference in there being uh, for the number one seed. Alabama, Purdue, Houston, something extraordinary is going to have to happen for them not to get in. I do have to give credit to my Auburn Tigers. They have come on strong. They've won five straight. I think this Auburn team's one of those teams where they got a lot of senior leadership. Warner Green's playing fantastic, and they got experience. I could see them making a deep run as well. It should be a great finish to the regular season, but I'm with you. I'm on Purdue, Houston, Alabama, and Tennessee as my number one seeds right now. Now, I mentioned on my show, and I don't know if this is a hot sports take. Uh, I don't know what you know about Kennesaw State. I'm actually from that area. Kennesaw State got their 15th win, the most wins in program history. They're number two behind Liberty in the Atlantic Sun. This is the year, Thrift. Kennesaw State is going to make the NCAA tournament. They have not won more than 15 games since they became a Division I school. And I looked at their – they hadn't even won more than 14 in a season, Richard. It's unreal. Yeah, and right now, I mean, as much as I love what Georgia has done and what Mike White has done to turn around that program – they don't even have them as a bubble team because their resume is not really all that impressive. No. And losing to Vanderbilt at home on Saturday really didn't help them. They got to get you got to get to that 18-19 wins to be considered a bubble team. 
I think they could probably get that. I was looking at their schedule trying to predict wins, but after losing at home against Vanderbilt, it took some of that luster out. If they beat Vanderbilt, I thought they could get to 19-12-2011 on the season, win one game in the conference tournament. Who knows? But they're definitely an NIT team. Absolutely. More quickly about Kennesaw State, assistant coach Persian Williams. He's also an assistant coach at Columbus State. His dad, longtime legendary coach around here named George Williams, he coached DJ at Carver in basketball when DJ was in high school. He's also a great coach at Spencer and several other places. He's going to be in the Chattahoochee Hall of Fame eventually. His son is assistant coach at Kennesaw, and I think they've done an excellent job this year. they got a young team, and I also, there's a guy by the name of Charles Stone. He played at Columbus High last year, averaged 18 a game. He's a freshman on their team. He doesn't get a lot of playing time, but he is on this team, and uh, it's got to be a pretty good freshman year to go there, and you're part of the winningest team in Kennesaw State Division One history. Oh, absolutely. And, of course, we do have two talented teams here in the Chattahoochee Valley, and that is the Columbus State Cougars and Lady Cougars. Head coach Robert Moore and head coach Matt Hauser do an amazing job. And I know Columbus State at 9-9, nine and nine, they're taking on Georgia Southwestern tonight. It is a rivalry game, traveling to Americas. And I know that he doesn't think, you know, his record is not where he wants. But, you know, they're really rebuilding because the Columbus State Cougars lost a lot of firepower on that team last year, like uh, – Langston Gather, and um, they they just had uh, Chris Chambers. You know they lost him, and, and they, they've had some uh, they've had some uh, tough times at at Columbus State. But but Coach Hauser's got a young team led by Amelia Tenbrock. I mean she's really been their star player, and uh, they are rolling. I mean they're a young team, and I I see the the Lady Cougars make it a, a deep run in the Peach Bell. I do too, and I'm I'm glad for Coach Hauser. Known him for a while. His daughter and son, Clark and Logan, play in my basketball league as well. And I am super, super, super excited, Richard, um, about the future of Columbus State. Coach Matt Hauser's done an excellent job of rebuilding his program, Richard. And I, I, I'm looking forward to this team, like you're talking about. They're a young team. They're competing for the Sun Belt. And uh, he's finally got his girls there uh, because he took over a winning program that had uh, – I can't think of his name right now. I, I've been losing – track of all these guys coach norton sorry jonathan norton who was a coach there for a long time legendary coach Susie dunn was a coach there for a long time these are legends by the way they're both coaching at calvary this year but matt's finally got his foundation laid and uh it should be a really good team by the way the coach for coach matt hauser is at georgia southern so oh, okay. there's been three legendary coaches anita howard three legendary coaches for matt matt's finally making a name for himself and coach robert moore he's been competing for conference championships the last five six years it's more of a rebuilding year this year. He knows it that, and, but his teams are still competing, and that's all that matters. They are, and I've had Coach Moore and Coach Hauser on the show, and the player that I drew a blank for the Columbus State Cougars, his name was Hunter Preston. I mean, he was their big star on last year's team. So Langston Gather and Hunter Preston, uh, they lost those two players from last year's team. That actually went to the NCAA tournament, but they lost to Queens in the first round. I mean, so a, a great season. And the Lady Cougars also went to the NCAA tournament last year because they were ranked the best defensive team, and so they got an automatic uh, berth. Yeah, that's awesome, and I expect them to do the same thing this year. And I'm uh, Matt Hauser's got going to have an extremely well put program. The problem is when you start winning at Columbus State, other schools start warning you, other bigger schools. So I don't know how long we'll keep him, but as long as we still have Coach Hauser, I expect him to do great things with the Lady Cougars. All right, Thrift. Uh, all right, Thrift. We got to talk about the NBA because the Lakers made a huge move. Uh, they were a team that were struggling with uh, threes. 
but they got a huge player from the Washington Wizards who were averaging 13 points a game, Rui Hachimura. And they traded away Kendrick Nunn and three draft picks, which it doesn't really matter. Lakers are are trying to get into that playing game and see if they could run the table. But I think it's going to be a tall task because LeBron is doing it all. Anthony Davis is still hurt. Russell Westbrook's coming off the bench. Lonnie Walker's been hurt. I mean, Thomas Bryan has been inconsistent. I know if you're a Lakers fan, you're optimistic that they could sneak into this play-in game. But a team that's struggling that is also trying to get into the playing game is the Golden State Warriors. I mean, they might be knocking each other out in the playing game. But if you look at the West, are you shocked that the top four teams are Denver, Memphis, Sacramento, and New Orleans? I am not with Denver. New Orleans, who started off as a number one seed about three or four weeks ago, has struggled. They lost five straight. They're 26 and 22. Zion Williamson's been out with injury. They need him to be back healthy for that team to be competitive. If they're fully healthy with Ingram, McCollum, and Zion, I expect them to be a top team. Denver, with a healthy Michael Porter Jr., Jamal Murray now going back to Jamal Murray form, and Jokic being one of the best big men of all time, not just in the NBA right now. I'm not surprised about them being the number one seed. Sacramento, your Kings, I am surprised about. I, uh, I've i always been cheering for them. I like teams that come out of nowhere, haven't made the playoffs in a long time. I'm glad they're finally going to make it after the – since they haven't made a playoff since 2005, 2006, when Mike Bibby was the star there. Yeah. That's how long ago it's been, Richard. Uh, but Fox is averaging 24 um, and about eight assists. you got Keegan Murray, who's been an excellent rookie. Many thought he was going to be a bust, was a terrible pick for the Kings. He's been fantastic. And then you got DeMontis Sabonis, who's averaging 18, 12, and about nine assists a game. Incredible. He's been fantastic. I like this team a lot. They're deep, they're loaded, and they're finally hungry to make the playoffs. LeBron and the Lakers, unless they can get healthy, I don't see it. Westbrook's, he's doing all right off the bench. LeBron scored 46 the other night. The Lakers still lost. They need Davis back. Lonnie Walker needs to be healthy. Rue Atchamur is a good pickup. He'll average close to 10 to 12, maybe start, come off the bench. Um, but I just – I don't know about this Lakers team. They're so far back. They need to be out of the play-in, and they're going to have to go on one of these 10, 7, 8, 9, 10-game winning streaks, and I don't know if they got it in them. Well, I tell you, Thrift, the West is wide open. I think uh, my dark horse to actually represent the West in the finals is the Memphis Grizzlies. I know they had a three-game losing streak. I mean, they had a tough road trip, you know, Losing to Sacramento, losing to Phoenix, losing to the Lakers. You know, Shannon Sharp should have got kicked out. I was going to say, Shannon Reed. Sharp got after him. Right? Oh, man, that they, he, he really got in their heads. But, you know, Memphis looks pretty, uh, pretty good. But really, I think the team that could win it all is the Boston Celtics. Yeah, I think they're the best team in basketball. They've been uh, unbelievable. Did you think this was going to happen when you lose a coach as good as the one from last year? Um, and Ime Udoka, I did not think they were going to be this good. I did not think that they were going to come in and be the number one seed in all of basketball. But that shows you Joe Mazzula. He's been fantastic. It shows you the organization, how well it's run. It shows you the hunger and the, and the thirst to be great by Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. And it shows you that all the role players know the role. Brogdon, excellent pickup. Marcus Smart, Robert Williams, Al Horford, all these guys, Derek White, doing what they need to do to play good, efficient basketball. Grant Williams and, heck, even Blake Griffin, when needed every three or four games, can give you something off the bench. They're the, my favorite in the East. I like this uh, the Nets. I like I like the way they're playing right now. You just don't know with Kyrie. The 76ers, 
until I see with my own eyes them make it to the conference championship, I'm never going to believe it. And until apparently Dot Rivers, ever since he lost that NBA Finals against the Lakers, he hasn't made a – or excuse me, ever since that LeBron game in which LeBron had 46 points or 48 points to beat them in the conference championship in 2012, they were up 3-2. Remember that game? LeBron had the – it was just unbelievable that game. Ever since then, it goes with the Clippers – they have not overcome that second-round curse that he has followed him from the Clippers and now the 76ers. I like Joel Embiid. I like what the East has a lot of really good teams, um, but you're right. It's the Celtics, and if Chris Middleton is 100% by the time the playoffs come around, I would put the Bucks up there as well. Thrift, I absolutely agree with you, and I know Bobby Z would be happy with your pick there because he's a huge Milwaukee Bucks fan. Huge, huge. But uh, Thrift, it's been – it's been great, you know, having you on the show. And and I've actually I've reached out to other broadcasters in Columbus, Tyler Crowder, uh, Jonathan Shusky, Buckets. When he comes back to Columbus, I've, I've said, yo, we got to get a show together. You, me, Thrip. We just got to get all this talent in Columbus and just be part of something special, like do a podcast together and just sit around and just talk sports because we just love doing this. I'm looking forward to it. I know Buckets will be back during the summertime. Looking forward to talking to my guy, Johnny B., and Crowder, he's a good guy. Um, you know, I've known him for a while, known his brother for a while. So looking forward to it, Richard. And we're just going to keep grinding, keep building things. And uh, looking forward to the next show, man. Like Josh Pate said, the grind is a blessing. Amen. All right. Thank you, Thrift, so much for being on the show. And uh, definitely looking forward to having you coming back. Yeah, man. Appreciate it. And go Niners. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Oh, man, that just made my day. All right, that was Sports Vision's Thrift Behringer here on the Sports Beat. Thank you, everybody, for listening to the podcast. Uh, stay tuned for Braves Country Baseball with Mac McGee and the Armchair Quarterbacks. That's coming up next here on WQEE 99.1 FM. The Key will be right back. You are listening to the Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge, broadcasted on WQEE 99.1 FM. The Key from 2 to 3 p.m. Monday through Friday. This is a local podcast that covers Columbus sports and beyond. If you would like to hear more of this podcast, you can download us on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, or Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. And I hope you have a great rest of your day.